Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I spent the last few days kind of in a quiet place. There hasn't been a ton of activity, although I'm talking to you on Friday morning, Thursday night, we did have some news. Uh, kick returner DeAndre Carter is signing with the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, according to a source. And that means Washington now has another hole on its roster. No, they need a kick returner. He's also a backup wide receiver who was, you know, helpful last year for sure. So that's another thing they've got to work on. That's about as big of a news as we've had kind of this week on the player front. I'm not counting the, all the off the field matters, which we've talked about earlier this week, including with my colleague at the athletic Dan Kaplan. You can find, of course, that interview and all the interviews up on the athletic. So I did just want to sort of put a bow on this week and just sort of do a state of the franchise or state of the roster, I should say. Let me let me clarify. State of the franchise is a whole other topic. Sort of state of the roster, what's going on. So jumping on with me this morning, uh, my friend Brendan Dar, who is the uh, producer for the Kevin Sheehan, uh, pod, or Kevin Sheehan show on the Team 980, longtime producer in this town uh, in, in many ways. He's been on the podcast before. He's also a bit of a draft junkie. Uh, so we just talked about kind of where things are right now with this roster why is it seems a bit confusing with what washington is doing and we also talked a bit about the draft options at 11 what happens if 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 garrett wilson and and drake london are gone by 11 i know people keep pointing to that position well what happens then do you still draft a receiver do you go with a cornerback in in a Derek stingley do you go off go in a completely different direction is kyle hamilton going to be there we got into a bunch of that topic about a bunch of those topics so hang on for, for a minute. We'll get to that here on the Standard Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, or Spotify, or on The Athletic. And if you are a subscriber, good time to get in. Not only do we still, I believe, have the deal for a dollar a month for six months if you go through the web, but for subscribers only, I did a long, two-hour, really in-depth first-round mock draft the other day. I've, I've, I've teased this, but I had not officially mentioned what I did here. Um, I encourage everybody to go check it out. Uh, myself, my colleague, Mike Smeltz, who's been on here, he played sort of the role of moderator to a degree as I went through pick by pick. Um, we also had guests jump in. Um, my colleague, Jeff Zrebeck, who covers the Ravens, John Machota, who covers the Cowboys, Kat Terrell, who covers the Saints. We got their perspective on these various, on the, on their teams and, and, and how I was looking at the board. So it's not just what I think. We also got actual insider depth. Plus, you got to hear Mike and I react to that Saints-Eagles trade in real time, uh, which was wild because it completely threw off the board. Mike and I also debated at pretty vigorously at 11, what should they do? Receiver or cornerback was the primary debate, um, along with trading down. So a really fun podcast. In addition to that, you can hear part of my, you can hear my conversation, I should say, with Todd McShay, of course, ESPN draft analyst, who is uh, from, who, who, was, who was at the Liberty Pro Day. You know what? In fact, I'll tell you what I'll do. I encourage everybody to go listen to the whole thing. After Brendan's after my conversation with Brendan, I will tack on the McShay uh, chat. It's only it's a pretty brief. We discuss the quarterbacks in the draft as well as uh, Carson Wentz to Washington. I'll tack that on. I'm a giver. It's Friday. We're all, we all should go into the weekend with 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 some good 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 vibes. I'm going to put that into the universe. So I'll put that part on here. But other than that. I encourage everybody to go check that out and you can subscribe to the athletic and get the whole kit and caboodle. All right. So with regards to Washington here, Deandre Carter, Brendan and I did talk about it at a bit. 
but he he is going to the Chargers for a one year deal. Um, not much for much not for much more money than what he was making here, and it is part of the confusion as to why is Washington not really getting again forget signing big names, just not even keeping depth guys or in this case their kick returner from the last year who was effective at receiver as well when he needed to uh, to step in. So um, there's a lot more going on here. I guess what I mean is there's there's still a lot happening here by almost by nothing happening here, if that makes sense. And Brandon and I try to make sense of why nothing is going on. Um, I also encourage you to go back and check out some of my other podcasts. And I did address this in my notebook um, coming out of the owners meeting because I did ask Ron Rivera flat out, are you being under any kind of orders to not spend a lot of money here uh, in free agency? So Brandon and I will talk about that. You can listen there. Um, if you missed it also, of course, earlier in the week, I wrote about Terry McLaurin's extension and where things stand with that. Since that article came out, another massive wide receiver contract came into play. The Bills gave uh, Stefan Diggs a huge extension. That's only helping the wide receiver market, helping the, the players in the market. Doesn't, it's not helping the teams like Washington or Seattle with DK Metcalf. I see that Debo Samuel with the 49ers wants to get paid huge money. Um, there's also AJ Brown with the Titans. That is going to be a really fascinating dynamic. Uh, one agent represents the other three guys. Terry McLaurin is represented by somebody else who ironically enough, also the same agent represents Deandre Carter. So, uh, that's interesting to some degree. So we'll still have to see how that plays out. I still think the Duran Payne situation is something to keep an eye on. I, I can't sit here to say that he is going to be traded or anything, but when you look at the whole board, I just, but the whole board, meaning if they're being mindful of the salary cap, which is what Ron Rivera told me that, you know, he's not feeling pressure to, to not spend money. They're just being mindful of the budget this year and going forward. How do you fit in a Terry McLaurin big contract and a Jerron Payne big extension on top of the Carson Wentz? You know that Montez Sweat and Chase Young are coming down the line. Haven't mentioned Antonio Gibson will be up here, you know, at some point as well. But beyond all that, you know, you still have to bring in some other pieces. And if you had to make enough moves to offset the Carson Wentz deal, how do you fit in all these other contracts? That's why I'm still kind of wondering what happens with Jerron Payne um, as well. It also makes sense to lean into your strength, and that would be those four defensive linemen. But at some point, you're going to have to pay the piper. So uh, we will see how that goes. Um, yeah, other than that, like, you know, in terms of the draft, there have been a bunch of other guys who have been coming in, uh, a bunch of guys coming in for visits. Chris Olave, the Ohio State receiver, is probably the biggest name, and Brendan and I ripped off some of the other guys. Um, there's a bunch of offensive linemen that are on the list, some ver- guys who have that position flex that Rivera talks about. Uh, S- Spencer Burford is a guy, University of Texas, San Antonio, is an interesting name. Luke, I'm going to butcher his name, Luke, Luke Get- Getke, Central Michigan, tackle college, the kind of guy that looks like to play guard in the pros, or, or among the guys, Rashid Walker, not Rashid Wallace, Rashid Walker from Penn State is on that list as well. Uh, and I'll be curious to see who else they bring in. It doesn't sound like there's any of the quarterbacks are on the list. Not Desmond Ritter. I haven't heard about any of the other names. N- not Malik Willis, which is not surprising, of course. We kind of know where they're at with quarterback, just noting that that's the case. I'll be curious to see what other positions that they bring in and who else 
in the range of 11 do we get? Because right now, don't really have anybody in. And I will be curious to see what that what 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 comes of that. Not whether you bring up somebody in or don't doesn't mean there's not interest. But you know, there is there is about time, like how you're choosing to spend your time, and do the players want to come in for visits? We'll see. Again, at the moment, the only players who've come in are players who are picking who are slotted below 11. We haven't seen a Drake London who's got his pro day pushed back to next week. We haven't seen a Garrett Wilson yet. Um, we haven't seen Derek Stingley yet, who just had his pro day the other day, and, and Washington had Martin Mayhew at his pro day. We'll see. No, no, not prejudging, not assuming anything. Just saying we're keeping it. We're keeping an eye on things. That's what we do here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Um, okay, so let's get to it. Um, well, actually, before I get to my conversation with Brandon, just a quick reminder: you want to hit me up? I'm at Ben Standing on Twitter. You can email me bstandig at theathletic.com. Some of you do occasionally uh, hit me up. Um, I appreciate that. My, my DMs are open. I probably shouldn't advertise that too much, but they are. And, and some of you have, have, have uh, slid in to share some thoughts about this team on and off the field. So it's always interesting to hear from other people. I, I can get into a bubble here talking with you know people in the industry or people in the league, and you can kind of lose perspective sometimes. So I appreciate getting that outside perspective as well. I should, I should probably have another zoom with some of the listeners here at some point. It's just been a busy time as you can imagine, but uh, it's never too busy to, to talk about the draft. So we're going to do that right now. Brendan Dar from the team 980 is here. We'll talk draft. We'll talk about Washington's offseason. fun conversation with Brendan. Let's get to that right now here on the standard room only podcast. All right. Joining me here to recap the week is our friend Brendan Dar. Uh, producer for the Kevin Sheehan show over on the Team 980 and a longtime member of the DC media contingent, who's also a, a draft guy. So we'll get into the draft in a minute. But I guess, Brendan, you know, I, I reached out to you. I don't know. I gave you a good, I don't know, three, four minutes um, before uh, dis- before, <laughs> before seeing if you wanted to come on. So I gave you plenty of time to contemplate what to discuss. But, you know, you, you're good. We just talked on the radio. I was on with you guys. So you've had plenty of time to digest. Um, before I get into some quick thoughts here, about before we get to the draft, the week that is, the week that was, the, the where we are, Kevin wanted me to talk about it. I'm like, there's not much to discuss. We'll get to DeAndre Carter, but there's not much else to discuss. And that, to me, is maybe the thing to discuss is why isn't there more things to, to discuss as somebody who has to talk about this every day? Where, where, where's your head at right now as to how quiet this offseason has been? I mean, in free agency. Yes, Carson went. Since then, it's been quiet. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to discuss, not on the field and even then there's not really a lot to say about it but as far as the lack of free agents I thought you brought it up on Kevin's show today really well about the fact that there hasn't been a lot done especially when you consider that they haven't signed anyone that hasn't previously played for Ron Rivera and I want to make sure I got the stack correct you said that they've only signed two people which is tied for the least in the league and both of those guys ties to Rivera in the past so really they haven't signed anybody that they're not familiar with except for the trade for Wentz and it it's not like they're cash strapped cash strapped they're not the Saints they don't need to restructure deals just to sign new people they have money to sign people they're just not doing it and I, I feel like at this point like we just haven't even 
brought that up on the show because there's not a lot to say about it. it it's a weird strategy. I don't get it. And I, I am glad that you brought it up today. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it is it is weird. Um, you know, we've talked about it a little bit here in, in recent episodes, just sort of like what's going on. I mean, I I went so far as to, and I, and I wrote a little bit about this, like when we were at the owner's meeting, I asked Rivera just sort of flat out, like, hey, I know you're in charge of football decisions, but ultimately you do have a boss. Are you getting any kind of pushback from anybody above you about not spending right now? Because it is a little bit odd that you guys aren't doing anything. He said, no, they're just being mindful of the cap. And okay, look, that is a reasonable thing to do. Both he's saying both this year and next year. And as we know, the Terry McLaurin extension is coming. Um, there could be a Deron Payne extension coming. And then once, you know, going in, you know, go beyond that. Obviously, there's other players who will be coming up as well who are going to be in the same positions as to, you know, get a, get deals. So you do have to pay attention to these things. That is important. Um, I always think about the Orioles who signed Chris Davis to that deal. Forget the fact that it, was it turned out so terribly it prevented them more or less from keeping Manny Machado I would argue because they put their money over there and so on so you do have to be mindful but that said you also have to sign players and yet they have a, they have a little over six million in cap space according to over the cap but that's effective cap space and you can play you can always you know we know how these things work you can always sign guys to these funky deals and move money around you can restructure contracts there are things to do so it is curious as to why nobody's coming and by the way like and I tell me if I'm wrong, have, have they even been close on anybody? Like, it's one thing to try and not get it. You know, they didn't like, like, for example, like you're a Wizards guy. When the Wizards went after Al Horford, didn't get him. Okay. They seem to be close. But the problem was they pivoted to Jan Mahimi. I don't even know that the, that the commanders have had a Al Horford. They have, I don't know. I mean, other than the quarterback attempts, which they got one, right? It's not like we've heard it, they've even been in the mix for high end player X, Y, or Z. Yeah, they, they haven't done the whole Danny Ainge. We were this close to signing him or trading for him kind of thing outside of Russell Wilson, where they made sure that everybody knew what package they tried to offer for Russell Wilson. But they haven't done that for anybody else. And it's not like they've been linked to guys. Like, have they brought guys in for free agent visits? Like, it doesn't really seem like they have. Like, yeah, it, yeah, sorry. I, I was just going to say, like, I, I don't, I don't, I keep track of this every day. I don't remember all of it because I have two kids under three years old and I rarely sleep. So I forget things. But if my memory serves, like they haven't really brought a ton of guys in. Right. And and like just to be clear, like it is a weird dynamic. I, I am of the belief that I'm not going as far as Ron Rivera seems to think about how good this team may be that we're all underestimating them. But I, I do acknowledge that, look, if the defensive line plays up to expectations, if you know they avoid sort of what feels like it's been like catastrophic amount of injuries the last couple of years. I mean, again, whatever Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be, he got hurt in the first half of the first game and things kind of went from, from there, right? If they could avoid those things, Gibson, McLaurin, they are still going to have a draft. We'll see what they do in the first and second round. And they can easily fill in these other holes. So it's not, it's, and then look, they're, the division's not that great. Their strength of schedule is pretty, they have the easiest strength of schedule, as Mike Clay told us the other day on here. So there's a world where they could be interesting. It is just a what it, it does feel to be a very odd offseason in terms of tone, in terms of action, um, and so on. And that's why it is somewhat confusing, which leads to sort of the DeAndre Carter uh, component here. Again, it's not even, we're talking about, he's not a high end guy. 
you know, I don't think any fans in the stands had DeAndre Carter jerseys last year. Um, I, you know, he uh, no disrespect to kick returners. I don't want Brian Mitchell coming to to come beat me up, but like you know, relatively speaking, those guys are replaceable, so they can fix that. You know, maybe it's even you know, maybe it's Dax Mill or Jared Patterson if those guys make the team. We can do whatever, but why not keep him? I we don't know the we don't know the we don't know the terms yet, other than a one year deal. I'm gonna guess it's not much more than the nine hundred and ten thousand. I want to say he he was here for this year. Even yeah, it, I think I saw that it was 1.1 with the ability to get up to 1.25. Oh, you saw that? Okay. So yeah. um, let, let's just say it's it's all it's all that's you know not a huge amount of money, and I I can't agree to. They are in a little bit of a budget situation. They do have they can't just go spend crazy, but that can't be that much money for a guy who was pretty effective for you last year. And you know we joke about how Rivera keeps bringing the Carolina guys. Last time I checked, DeAndre Carter played for Ron Rivera last year here. Like, it doesn't, like, you know, he's been here now long enough that the idea of keeping the guys you know, i.e. the Washington guys, would seem to make sense. So it just, it, it is curious as to what is happening. The And, and that's why we're going to have to wait, obviously, until this is all over, probably past the draft, to see what the big, the bigger picture, what they actually come up with. But right now, it is just confusing. They have a lot more holes than they had a year ago, even if they upgraded at quarterback. And um, yeah, it is. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's confusing. Well, it's definitely weird. So there, there are three things I, I take away from that. One, definitely do not tell Brian Westbrook that running backs don't matter. And definitely don't tell him that kick returners don't matter. I made that mistake. It was not fun. Two, uh, they, they did upgrade the quarterback position. And I, I wonder if they think that is enough. And like you said, they, they did get a lot of games lost last year, but it's not like they were tops in the league. Uh, I think I remember seeing the old man games lost Twitter account that I think is now defunct. They had Washington middle of the pack in games lost, middle of the pack in starters games lost. And it was like 10th or 11th in games lost to COVID. So it's not like they were an outlier as far as games lost last year where you can just think running it back is going to make you a 10, 11, 12 win team, even with this easier schedule. It still doesn't really explain why you're losing depth guys and not replacing them. Just even, even if it's guys that you're familiar with, like it's weird to let an Ionitis and settle go and not bring in one guy. Like that, that just yeah. seems a little bit weird to me. And right. the strategy that, you brought up again on Kevin's show is that they want to wait until after the draft, which uh, again is fine, but they have money to sign like not an A tier free agent, but they could have signed like a B guy, either a, a linebacker or a defensive tackle. Like they could have signed somebody and not just waited until after the draft, but they seem comfortable now waiting until after the draft and they cleared up all this money they didn't need to do it necessarily right away but they did and it's not like they needed it for the draft class they they still have enough money to sign the draft class it just it's not bad like you're saying it's just weird right and just to sort of put a sort of a little bit of bow on this just for the purpose of this conversation so people don't think we're just sort of picking on them let's just quickly just go through the depth of the positions not position not not each player but just how we view it okay 
I think quarterback, obviously, they're fine. They're going to talk about adding a third in the draft, but, you know, whatever. Even if they just had the two, they'll add a third somewhere, but they're fine there. Running back, I still think they're going to add another running back. But, again, if it's Gibson, McKissick, and Patterson, they still have Jonathan Williams. Okay, you know, you can always add on another running back. They'll be fine. fine. Wide receiver, look, we've talked a little bit, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but, like, even if you think they may they they may add a, a receiver high in the draft, let's just say they don't. McLaurin, Samuel, Deami Brown, Cam Sims, like I, I'm I'm again I'm not saying that that's the greatest thing, but it's 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 fine. They can draft another guy in the mid rounds. That, that, that's fine. It's not terrible. Tight end is where I start to have concerns, in part because I just don't know what Logan Thomas's situation is. John Bates actually performed reasonably as a rookie, but that's a lot to put on him. And then they lose Ricky Seals Jones. So right now. The third tight end is, you know, what, Samus Reyes, who obviously fun to debate what he will be, but we have no idea at this point. Offensive line, okay, on the surface, you could say that they're, they're, they have like eight guys with Cornelius Lucas, Sadiq Charles, and Tyler Larson as the backups, but two new guards, uh, you know, other than Lucas, I, I can't sit here and say that those other backups are all that, and Larson's coming off an Achilles injury, so you can, and they lose some you know something from the starting lineup obviously with that sure if they need they could use more offensive line defensive line they have no tackles right now unless you want to tell me daniel wise is going to be the new tim settle or something they have no defensive tackles of note and the one defensive lineman they added uh fa aduba right is that what i'm saying right um he he's gonna take your lead on that he's effectively the same kind of guy as they already had with james smith williams like they, in fact, they, he's like the, they added a guy to a position they already have nominal depth. Like they, they didn't lose any of those guys. They still have Shaka Tony, you know, William Bradley King, Casey Twohill. So like they actually have guys at that one spot. They added a guy linebacker right now. I think it's fair to say they have one and a half guys that people would feel comfortable with on week one. Whatever James Davis will be today, we don't know what he is beyond what we saw, and that's a guy who's still in progress. So they need at least one more linebacker, if not two. And then the secondary, Landon Collins is gone, so they don't have the fifth defensive back, that Buffalo nickel spot easily filled. The third corner right now is Benjamin St. Juice, who, you know, looks promising, but, you know, had injuries last year, and we'll have to see where he is. There's no – I mean, Danny Johnson's okay, but not you could upgrade at fourth corner. And they lost their safety depth. No DeShazer Everett, no Landon Collins. I don't know what's going on there. Th- that's a bunch of – oh, by the way, the returner just left. So that's a bunch of holes they still have to fill. They have the draft. There's still free agency to play with, but it isn't just snap your finger and, oh, yeah, this team's good. If you don't have depth in this league, you're going nowhere, and they just feels to me like they just lost a bunch, and that's why I'm confused why even on the lower end of free agency they haven't done anything yet. Yeah, I think that's where, like, a lot of my confusion comes in is because as you – not to keep harping back to what you said earlier today, but what you said about how there are depth guys, one-year guys that you could have added and you just – either haven't or you're waiting and I guess waiting until after the drafts for your kick returner is probably fine on its surface but it is weird to just let him walk when you're not having to pay a lot more than what you paid last year and he filled in pretty capably at receiver last year in a pinch it's not like DeAndre Carter was bad but at the same time like the quarterback play was largely terrible for a lot of the season whether or not people want to admit that it's not like deandre carter wasn't running open at times he was he just wasn't getting the ball 
And that was a problem a lot of the guys also had. And I, I struggle to see how sitting Pat on this roster is a good idea necessarily. And as you just mentioned, you went through the positions, there are holes at second receiver, probably a depth running back, probably one to two spots in your offensive line room, defensive tackle, linebacker, safety, and maybe the fourth cornerback. And I don't think you're going to be able to address all of that in the draft. And then after the draft, how many free agent starters are sitting out there? I don't know the answer to that. Obviously, we still have a couple weeks to figure that out. But, I mean, I don't see how you're going to fill all of those spots, even with the quote-unquote easier schedule and better quarterback, how you're just going to magically uh, continue ascending into the third year, as Ron Rivera has said. Right, for sure. And like I said, I've said this before, like I, I, I am somewhat positive on the Carson Wentz situation in just in that I'm not taking everything that's happened, what India is saying, to, to have any bearing necessarily on here, in part because one, the owner clearly had issues with Wentz for things that seem to be taking place as much off the field as on, and that's fine, but it's not necessarily a football thing. And two, pure perspective, that place is that the quarterbacks have been Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers, and Carson Wentz. Compared to those guys, Carson Wentz looks like Kyle Allen. On the flip side, based on what's going on here, Carson Wentz looks like Sonny Jurgensen compared to most of the quarterbacks that they've trotted out under Ron Rivera. So, like, I think there's a reason to be that that you can see that Wentz will be an upgrade. There are obviously still things to 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 wonder and consider because of the the quote unquote baggage that he's now had in two different spots. So, I'm not just just counting that. I'm just saying if Wentz does deliver something of an upgrade combined with these other, you know, the the rest of this young team still ascending. Sure. Why not them? Again, I just, I, I'm just trying to make sense of it all. This is what I try to do. And right now the sense of part of this is kind of breaking my, <laughs> breaking my brain. Yeah. And, and the more they lose a guy and not add pieces, it, 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 it takes, it takes a minute. Um, yeah. Like you're, like you were saying, it's not bad. It's just kind of weird. And that's kind of how it, how it feels right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the last couple of minutes we, we have before I kindly let you go back to your life. Um, let's talk about the draft. This is uh, something you you, yeah, uh, yeah. you you enjoy. Um, every week when I go on with Kevin, I go on basically every Friday morning at this point. And earlier in the offseason, we were every week, the three of us would make a prediction what quarterback would they land on. I don't think any of us had Carson Wentz, but Kevin switched it today to what receiver or sorry, what 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 pick do we what do we imagine happens with Washington at 11? I didn't bother projecting a trade and I and I don't necessarily know that this is what will happen, but based on the boards, it feels like receiver, cornerback, or where kind of they could go. Um, I went with Drake London from USC. Don't know if he'll be on the board. You went with Chris Olave, Ohio State. Don't know that. Well, I imagine he may be on the board. I don't know if that's considered too high or whatever for him, but whatever. He's clearly in the mix. We saw Rivera talking to him at Ohio State's pro day. It makes sense. Kevin went with Derek Stingley Jr., um, who, if anybody heard my my, my mock draft podcast that's up on the athletic for subscribers only Stingley versus Garrett Wilson was a lot of the conversation there at, at, at 11. Um, let, me, so let me ask you this. Th- there's a world in which both Garrett Wilson and Drake London are gone at 11. Okay. 
And if that happens, the world I was operating in with my Alave pick for the record. Fair, fair enough. And if that and and like right, Atlanta could take one of them. The Jets at ten could take Atlanta eight could take one. Jets ten could take one. Could happen. And at that point, it does become interesting, like what Washington would be staring at, because there could be some defensive linemen, but they don't need that obviously at this point. Derek Stingley would make sense, but he, you know, that he's been dealing with injuries and he's more of a man corner than a zone corner. We saw how that didn't work out so well with William Jackson last year. So I don't know if they would do that, which is why a guy like Olave could maybe make some sense. Um, I, I guess the question is if, if the boards are accurate, that feels early. Ron Rivera will tell you who cares about the cost if it works out. That's what he kept telling us about quarterbacks. So what's the, what, why does it matter? What, what, why are, are you picking Olave at 11 because you think, he is worthy of the pick or you're just believing that based on what you've seen, they're going to go receiver. So yes to both of those things. I think he is worthy of the pick. I think this is a great receiver class. I also think they need a receiver. They need a second receiver. And I've heard how much Scott Turner and Ron Rivera like Deami Brown. Uh, he had a ton of chances as a rookie and wasn't able to do a whole lot. I'm not writing him off completely. I think quarterback play was a lot to do with it just like I was saying with DeAndre Carter. I think after what you saw as a rookie from De'Ami Brown, there's nothing that should stop you from drafting another receiver and using him as a deep threat. That's what he was great at at college. They weren't really able to take advantage of that with Heineke or anybody else. You know, Carson Wentz, the one thing he does really well is throw a good deep ball. He's not always accurate with it, but he's able to do it. And that's just something they weren't able to do last year. I saw an interesting tweet from our friend Josh Norris. Uh, Someone pointed out Ron Rivera has rarely traveled to pro days that aren't local. He did it in 2011, went to Auburn to go see Cam Newton. And he did it in 2017 with McCaffrey when he went to Stanford with McCaffrey. I think that somebody, uh, somebody else pointed. He also went to see Patrick Patterson, but um, or Patrick P- Peterson. I mean, sorry, it's the NBA guy, Patrick Peterson. But yes, basically, Ron Rivera doesn't leave the house very often to go see prospects, and that's notable. And as far as we know, he's only been to two pro days this time: Ohio State and Cincinnati. Yeah. So I didn't mean to I step on your point. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I don't think he's going to take Desmond Ritter at eleven, and I'm assuming Sauce Gardner is going to be gone by eleven. And while I would love Sauce Gardner, uh, I don't know. I, I'm fairly confident Gardner's going to be gone. So that would leave Wilson and Olave. And that's just kind of where I'm at, where I think they need a receiver. I think Wilson, Olave, even Jamison Williams, or I, I like Drake London too. Uh, I have a little bit of concern with him being a jump ball specialist, but him and Traylon Burks they're all really good so I'd be okay with any of those five being taken at 11 I just think the whole him going to see the pro day him reportedly having a workout with Alave and Wilson like that kind of is leading me to think he's going Ohio State receiver best one on the board it's absolutely a reasonable I reasonable idea um I've got to play around with a mock draft Washington only mock draft for Monday and that type of thinking is definitely weighing in on my what I'm doing because we're all looking for clues and you know because we talked about the depth before it's not like I can just point to one or two things and say looks pretty clear these are their biggest needs I, 
I, there's a lot of of need. So you have to. It's almost like that doesn't even matter right now. So that's why it is important to look at these other trends and, and these other variables. And I think that those are are reasonable. I, I think for me, like it's easy to say trade down, trade down, trade down. But I do think that they remain in an interesting pivot position, perhaps not just because of the quarterbacks, should they go up the board? The other guy to keep an eye on, I think, is Jermaine Johnson, the defensive end from Florida State, not for for Washington to take. But you look at the board behind them, the Ravens at 14, they everybody's targeting them with a pass rusher. I think I saw Todd McShay's mock draft had Jermaine Johnson going there. I don't know if he's going to make it that far, but the point is the Ravens want that kind of a guy you could talk yourself into maybe the saints at 16 i know they just made a big trade so i don't know what ammo they have but maybe there i can't imagine a trade in the division with the eagles but you know that that's a thing or 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 who knows what else even the texans at 13 if the texans decide if they pass on a pass rusher at three decide they want to get one move up my point is like other than quarterback pass rusher might be the next thing the next big thing that people would be willing to move around for so I think that's something to keep an eye on should those other top receivers go up. Then if you can trade, get some picks back, trade down, then going for another receiver um, could make a lot of sense. Uh, w- w- what about Stingley? He obviously had a pretty good pro day from a um, uh, from a health perspective, ran a good 40. His other uh, agility drills look to be pretty good. The question is the injury health. Can he get back to the form we saw as a freshman? And does he fit for this scheme? That was part of the debate we had here the other day um, when I, on the mock draft only pod. What, what do you think? I mean, I, if they didn't have such a glaring need to me at receiver, I'd love a Stingley or even Gardner if he fell. I mean, I would love one of those guys. I just think there's a, a bigger need at receiver. And Stingley... I, I do worry a little bit about man versus zone kind of stuff, especially after the William Jackson experiment. I, I'm not sure how much of a, how much of an issue it should be in drafting him because in theory you could just change defensive coordinators and maybe something happens with that. If Del Rio's out after next year, or if the entire regime is gone after next year, it's maybe not a problem moving forward. I, I like the idea more of trading back, especially if more than one quarterback doesn't go in the top 10. Like if Pickett goes to Carolina at six and let's say Willis is still on the board, Pittsburgh has been reportedly very interested in Malik Willis. I don't know if necessarily Philly would take a quarterback. I don't know if Houston would take a quarterback 13. I don't think so. It seems like, there are going to be options to trade back. And I, it, let, let's say the receivers all fall. It, there's a big run on t- uh, offensive tackles. There's a big run on defensive ends. And both of the cornerbacks go in the top 10. You might not have any quarterbacks go. You might not have a ton of receivers go. You could fall back to, let's say, 20 and still get a pretty good receiver there I, i'd be way more interested in that just recouping some of the picks you gave up for carson wentz yeah for for sure i'm, I'm i mean look I, I don't know who isn't a fan of the trade down i mean it's been pointed out to me by talking to people around the league that there might be a cutoff with like there's a certain top 10 15 players and once you get past that the next 50 or kind of like throw them in a bucket so maybe there is some yeah. value in staying a high and that's part of the determination they're gonna have to make um, you look at some of the top 30 visits they've had, and th- this is not a full list, but just some of the names we have. Olave 
is the biggest name on the board, but most of the other guys are sort of late one or day two guys. Michigan safety Daxton Hill, I think would make a lot of sense if you want to address that Buffalo nickel position. Uh, Alabama wide receiver John Mechie was supposedly in town on Thursday, or and he's here today to, to meet with the team. Um, you know, he obviously had the injury, but could have been a first-round pick beyond that, and he would make sense. On day two, you got a bunch of offensive linemen um, who are you know, the, the sort of those versatile guys that Rivera likes. Penn State safety Jaquan Brisk, Brisker, another sort of day two guy. Um, Iowa State running back Brees Hall, et cetera. So a lot of the guys they're seem to be bringing in are guys that I wouldn't be pegging for 11. Doesn't mean anything. They, those guys may be in and we just don't know about it or they're coming later or they've already met them 12 times and they're good. But it does it does keep feeling to me the trade down makes so much sense for them unless they just absolutely fall for, you know, one guy sitting there. Um, speaking of that, quickly on this, Kyle Hamilton. Somebody asked me the other day if there's somebody who was to fall that they would just have to take. I feel like he's the sort of answer in that he he's some people think he's the best player in the draft, but the based on position, he could slip. And if you get him, I think that's a basically a home run kind of a call. Uh, wh- where are you at with him? I, I don't like I said, I don't think he's going to fall. But what would you say to that to, to that idea of him being sort of maybe almost like the home run option um, if they got lucky at eleven? How much are you worried about his reported low four sevens at the pro day in the forty time? I'm worried, except for the fact, I guess, and you watch more Notre Dame than I do. When I saw him play, the instincts seemed really obvious. And I'm a big instincts guy because I don't think that's something you can teach. Now, you can't teach speed necessarily either, but he seemed to be all over the place and be able to make plays. But sure, it's it's a variable for sure. Yeah, I would also say I didn't really – he didn't look like a 4-7 type safety to me. So it, it, it is a little bit worrying. I, he wasn't – he was faster at the combine, right? He was like a four five eight at the combine. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about that. It is a little bit of a concern and that's probably why he would slip to 11, but if he slips to 11, he would still be a, a value. If you consider him to be the best player in the draft, which a lot of smart people do. So I, I am not one to overthink this. Like if he falls to 11, you'd have to seriously consider it. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's not something I would. I feel like I would say normally because the safety position has been so devalued as far as draft capital and you know paying money to free agents. But if he's the best player in the draft, which a lot of people seem to believe, then I would be inclined to be okay with that. Yeah, I think that to me, like I'm not suggesting it's going to happen. I probably won't project that to happen. I am saying though you look at the boards enough, you look at how the conversation, there seems to be a world in which that's conceivable to happen, especially if there is a rush on quarterbacks, the pass rushers, the receivers and position value that he just slips. That would be an interesting one. It would solve a lot of problems. The fifth defensive back, et cetera, et cetera, not counting on it, but he's, that's another variable here and all this to consider. Uh, another variable is I got to let you go. Uh, go follow Brendan on Twitter at Brendan Dar D a R R listen to him chime in and keep Kevin in line on the Kevin Sheehan show uh every morning monday to friday on the team 980 uh good luck out there man and enjoy draft season is brendan season so uh have fun i try to have fun with it let's uh let's do better this year uh you and me mocking the draft that's that that's the goal this year a little better I, i'm i'm not i'm not i'm not confident at all right now there's washington isn't the only team with these issues 
I, I too many teams have too many holes right now. I, it's hard to figure out what's going to happen. I I feel very confused. I, I feel like there are probably twenty nine picks. I don't feel confident about this year. Whereas last year, I felt pretty confident about you know eight. This well, I year, mean, I, I I think three maybe. I I mean, if you got an extra second, like so, I was yeah. playing around with my mock draft last night. You know, I was like to tinker with it when I can. Sometimes what I try to do is I don't try to go one to 32. Sometimes, sometimes I just like to go, let me plug in the ones that I think are happening wherever they are on the board and then work around that. Once I get past Aiden Hutchinson with the first pick, I I don't feel overly confident about anything. I'm guessing Trayvon Walker second to the lions, but you could talk to me the lot, the, 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 the Texans taking Kayvon Thibodeau at three. You could talk me to them taking one of the offensive tackles at three. You could talk me into taking Kyle Hamilton and then it goes from there. With and the fact that the Jets and the Giants both have two first round picks, I don't know which order how, how they see this. And then yeah, I don't know where the quarterbacks are going. It's all over the place. So I don't feel very good about this draft at all. I, I heard a podcast with Jordan Reed, who's been on here with ESPN and Matt Miller, and they were both kind of sort of saying the same thing. So I kind of it, for the same reasons. So I feel a little bit better about it from that end. But it is confusing. Yeah, I'd, I'd have Hutchinson at one a receiver to Philly at one of those mid-round picks and an offensive tackle to the Giants at five. And outside of that, I don't feel comfortable about anything. Right, right, right. No, it's 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 weird. I mean, uh, I think clearly the headline of this podcast is confusing because between the team and the mock draft, that's where my head's at. But, you know, it, it, shockingly, that's not surprising if you know me. I'm always Yeah, the headline should be, this is kind of weird, right? <laughs> that, may, that may exactly be, that may exactly be it. Um, Brandon, man, really appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, man. I take care, buddy. Thank you. All right. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, I mentioned I would play my conversation with Todd McShay, uh, caught up with the draft analyst at Malik Willis's pro day a couple of weeks ago. We just had time for a couple of quick questions. So here's some, some from my conversation with Todd McShay on this draft class quarterbacks, as well as Washington situation. Now that Carson Wentz is here just this class in general it's hard to say to get a read good uh, not exciting what's your what's your broad sense of these top guys there's good depth there are, in my opinion four to five quarterbacks have a chance to become solid starters in the league but i think so much of it has to do with where they go and how they're developed there's no transcendent quarterback in this class there's no you know no one that's going to come in and, and just automatically have success no matter what the situation who's who's developing and supporting cast um but i do think like i said there are four or five starters and that's that's a lot for a class now his history has told us about half of them will live up to to potential and maybe not even that probably like 35 40 percent but bottom line is you've, you have an, a unique talent in malik willis who's got a chance to, to be a star if he gets in the right situation and is developed the right way and I'm not sure there are a lot of teams in the league that aren't equipped to develop them the right way. Kenny Pickett is, is kind of NFL ready from a college prospect standpoint, but his tool his tools are good. Um, but he's kind of, you know, he's just he's not Malik Willis in terms of what he can offer. Um, and then you got you got Matt Corral who comes from an RPO system and it's quick trigger and a lot of the things you look for. But he's got the smaller frame and mobility is a big part of his system, but a big part of his success. And so, does he stay healthy at the next level? And can he adjust from that RPO based scheme to the NFL? And then Desmond Ritter didn't play well against Alabama. 80% of his tape I like, 20% of his tape I'm like, kind of scratching my head. Like, why did that happen? Because I've seen him 
I've seen him have success on that throw or that read, you know, so many other times. So there's inconsistency there, but he's a he's a 24/7 football guy, and he he's going to learn. And I, I think he, to me, he's kind of the most intriguing because he's under the radar. Maybe a team trades up for him late in the first, or he goes early in the second without the same pressure that maybe Malik will have or Kenny Pickett will have early on. I think he's the the guy that could wind up, you know, out outplaying his draft slot. Washington got Carson Wentz. I don't know if that was their determination of this class or not, but what do you kind of make of that relative to what their options probably were at 11? Yeah, I, I think you have, you know what you're getting with Carson. You, you know, you know, that he can play. He's made some, you know, mistakes in critical air, areas. Um, the durability has been a little bit up and down coming off a good season, but, um, but I think it takes the pressure off of Washington if they're looking at this class and saying, you know what, we can get, we've got this guy graded it here, you know, clearly above any of the quarterbacks in this class. Why are we going to pass up on a really good football player, and instead of, you know, in, in order to take a quarterback? So they're not in that emergency area, which I think is is why they brought in Wentz. And, and listen, they're hopeful that he can become the guy and and, and finally have the consistency that. That um, you know, Philadelphia hoped that they were going to get when they drafted him number two. All right, many thanks to Brendan Dar for his time, and of course, thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast. And look, as, as I said, really fun mock draft only podcast, up for subscribers only on the Athletic. I encourage you to go check that out, as well as the other episodes we've had this week on this feed. But um, that's it for now. There's a bunch of guests coming up over the next couple weeks about the draft. I probably should have mentioned more of that at the top but that is true so get ready for that as well plenty more to discuss here on the big show but that is it for now ben standing signing off until next time see ya